Besser. Besser, the delivery right by Adams. Rebound! It's Bjork Olsen! And Vermont Green up two! Cohen claims a body. Kobe over the goalie and Vermont Green in front again. Ryan Kobe. Salvez. O'Neal the turn. Mark O'Neal. Ridiculous stuff. Oh, baby, Mark O'Neal, that was a delight. Finds a way to get it to Lily, who gets it to Nwagbo. He puts it on target! Oh, right. Diva, So, uh, season one, episode 13 of uh, United and Green. Uh, I'm Mike. Uh, glad to be back with all you guys. Um, again, we have uh, our returning champion. This week, our returning champion is Tyson. How are you doing, Tyson? I mean, it's... Thunder and lightning, but now there's a beautiful sunset outside of my window in Essex. Uh, I'm not going to complain. It's not terrible. It could be a lot worse. Yeah, you it, know? Could be, it could be Monday. It could be Monday. And also, uh, much like the rest of the poor state of Vermont, there are many communities that are dealing with all this flooding and other stuff that's going on. So I consider myself very, very lucky that I'm up here in a uh, nice high plateau by the Winooski River, and not having to deal with some of the uh, terrible side effects of all these this rain that we've been having. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's pretty awful. Uh, you know, I had a number of friends who were affected. Uh, who were affected by it, but um, you know, you know, what are we going to do? Uh, weather the weather patterns are changing. Uh, this is part of what our club is fighting against right um is fighting a, a, against the progression of of global of of global climate change um and fighting for climate justice uh you know so climate justice doesn't just affect the 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 you know quote unquote third world countries or the or the, or the 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 people who have the least it affects it really affects uh all of us and it can affect all of us and especially in our state and uh i think it's good to remember that um we also have tyler here today uh again and uh he's he's the creator so uh let's give him a little uh, airtime too again you sound so disappointed oh, no, he's, <laughs> i'm just he's I've, I've had a i've had a rough week and uh and you know oh, it's him it's me it's just me uh yeah <laughs> Glad to be back. Uh, yeah. Um, much love to the state of Vermont and everybody dealing with the fallout from the the rains and the flooding. And it's uh, it's awful, man. And there are a lot of communities that need our help. Um, I think our supporters group is figuring out what we can do to help each other within the group and also uh, extend those efforts to other people in our community. So keep an eye out for some fundraising stuff and uh, we'll let you know what we're doing out and about. But um, yeah, man. Uh, much love to all y'all who are dealing with this this awfulness. Um, you know, I used to I used to have like a sympathetic take on why people might not believe in climate change, and it was kind of like, oh, it's just like too big and too abstract of an idea. But now it's like you see it every month in some form, whether it's in your own home state or just like insane weather patterns and events happening around the world it's happening all around you and to still sort of be in denial uh, about what it is is crazy and you know again shout out to the 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 club uh for for trying to make the message as clear as possible like this is real it's something that needs to be addressed like asap so yes sir 
Yeah. You know, outside of that, um, actually within that, you know, any kind of fundraising that the boys are going to try and do um, or that the club is going to try and do, uh, uh, you should probably plug the Vermont Disaster Relief Fund uh, with that for anybody suffering uh, from the effects of the storm um, or wants to help out too. Um, but, uh, you know, stay tuned to uh, to the Green Mountain Boys Twitter Twitter feed um, and social media, as well as uh, ours and, and, and Vermont Greens, um, but also the Vermont Disaster Relief Fund. So yep. um, anybody's yeah. out there suffering, there's, there is some help out there. Um, so uh, let's get on to uh, even more uh, terrible shit that happened with our football club. Not, not more terrible, but um, other terrible things that happened with our football club this week. We had a couple of rough games. Um, it seems that every time we get, we get going and we get that train going, we uh, hit a rock on the tracks, you know? Um, uh, I, I would like Tyler to get us going because uh, we had an away day and uh, we, we had a great, we had a great gathering of folks in, and, and, uh, and it, I, I took a, uh, I took a ride down with, uh, with our uh, good friend, Tom uh, and, and, and Ryan. Um, and we had an adventure on our own, uh, an adventure on the way home. But uh, I'll let uh, I'll let Tyler take it away with uh, with the sights and scenes at uh, at Lusitano Stadium. Yeah, this is the first proper away day that we've had. I mean, I, I know folks have traveled to other games and you know smaller groups, which is awesome. But like this was their first real, I think, full strong showing for uh, Vermont Green away fans, and it was awesome. Uh, I'd say there's about twenty or so of us. A lot of folks came down from Burlington, some from Southern Vermont, uh, some from the surrounding Massachusetts area who happened to be fans or just knew of the club. Um, and we met a lot of really nice people who had made the journey like, you know, short and long distances. Uh, and it was great, man, just to see uh, like a little square of green, very vocal, very loud, but small square of green and this sea of red was really cool. I think you'd hear it on the on the stream. I know the, we were right behind the players and uh, and coaches, so they they could hear us, and it was just really cool. Um, Lusitano is an awesome old stadium, uh, a lot of history there. You can tell it's like really plugged into the local Portuguese community. Um, the folks we met, the 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 Western Mass fans, super nice. Uh, one of our guys threw out his wallet or needed cash, I guess, and someone just bought him the beers. Had nice chats with people leaving the stadium on the way into the stadium. Um, a lot of kids running around. Got into a bit of banter with the local marching band who was there, which was <laughs> just awesome. Um, the whole thing was awesome. the The result wasn't. Uh, we can get into sort of the the officiating and the result unto itself, but like as far as like this fan base and this club go, it was just great to see uh, and be part of a, a proper way day. And look, I'm I'm excited for uh next season where i think this will maybe be more regular occurrence and it's just it's a blast i i I gotta say uh i loved that stadium i thought it was i thought it was like it was proper football you know i mean it was it was a cool stadium a great setup uh i i liked the uh i liked the the portuguese club across the street the social club um you know, the one thing that I didn't enjoy so much was the fact that uh, I get that it's old. It's an old stadium. And they want to keep it that way, but it's cash only. You gotta, yeah. you gotta, you gotta tell folks or have an ATM on site, and not have to 
march people across the street to the to the club but that's fine i, I heard it cool vibe i, I heard like the, i heard the club i heard the club was bumping so uh, yeah. i was i was i was one of the two that went up to grab beers and uh and uh the the western mass fan uh bought the bought the beers for us i was uh yeah it was it was wonderful uh everybody there was very welcoming uh they were they were super impressed with our team um and actually one of the guys that i had talked to earlier had as i was walking out he had said that uh his team did not deserve the win that's all for for honesty yeah 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 um he said we got jogged by the referee. I mean, and we did. Um, so, I mean, I know, I know uh, on United and Green, we don't necessarily like to talk about, uh, about the referees because they, you know, they, they're working men too. But uh, in my estimation, you're paid to do a job. You're getting paid to do the job. You go out there and you do that job. Um, and whether it's USL two or whether it's, Bundesliga, La Liga, the Premier League, MLS, you go out there and do that job. Um, And whether it's to the best of your ability or not, I do not believe it was to the best of their ability. Uh, This week, especially, uh, the officiating, it's hard to watch the officiating take the game away from the players. Uh, And and it absolutely did. And the, the... point of having the fourth official there is to be an extra set of eyes for the on-field official. And it, he was consistently and constantly eyes away from the ball, eyes away from the action, eyes away from any, any confrontation or anything that was happening on the field. And they let that game get out of hand. And that's where that, that's where I kind of draw the line is when the referees let the game get out of hand because uh, Western mass was violent like they were physical to the point of violence um, and, and people are going to get hurt out there and in the referees, if they let the game get away from them, that's, those are the things that can happen. And, and I did not appreciate it myself. Tyson, what did you see on the stream? We were up close and personal with it, but, uh, and that can be good and bad in terms of perspective, but like, how did it play for the, for the, the non, uh, the non-present viewer? Yeah, I mean, I I was unable to uh, get time off to be able to, to go down to the away day, which was a shame. Obviously, I would have loved to have gone. Uh, the boys were definitely vocal on the stream. We could uh, hear you guys loud and proud. Um, and, you know, I, I know that we don't, you know, Mike's right. We don't like to, you know, go and harp on the officials because obviously you know, it's USL two. It's one of the, you know, it's a low division in the soccer pyramid here in America. And it it does seem like it is, you know, it's really hard to know that your team, whether it's our team, whether it's Western mass, whether it's any of the other teams that are in our division, you know, you're going out there, you're not only playing against your opponent who's actually on the pitch, but a lot of the times you're, you've got your second stab in the back, which is the officiating. And it's, you know, there, there was a, a game, uh, 
there's a call in the, in the in the Pathfinder game, which we haven't even gotten onto, which I think Tyler called a, a a literal ruck, a rugby ruck, happened in the Pathfinder penalty box. Yeah, it was an hold on penalty, and just nothing. And you know, it's it's disheartening. It really is. You know, and, and I get that Western Mass play a very defensive, very counterattacking, very shithousery kind of style. That's the way that they play. They can play that. But at the same time, if you're going to be doing, playing that kind of game, the refs need to have a good handle on it to be able to pull in the reins and say, you know, like, no, cut this shit out start handing out cards, start calling fouls, and that just didn't happen. It, it didn't. In the, within the first five minutes or so, uh, Yanni Vizzini got mugged at least twice off the ball, not like in possession. He got fouled a couple times in possession early on as well. But w- once that, once you get away with that sort of like off the ball manhandling and there's no repercussions and apparently like nobody none of the officials even notice you're like cool i've got clearance for the rest of the game and like like mike said things just got out of hand and look at some point it's it becomes even less about like the result for your your team and more about just the safety of the players it seemed like there were a lot of just dangerous moments because as you keep sort of if you're a player and you keep pushing the envelope and you're getting away with shit like you're going to keep pushing or keep doing it and um you know it was a it was it's one thing to play like a defensive physical game. It's another to sort of just like really overstep the bounds of what I think is generally accepted, like reasonable football behavior. So, um, you know, yeah, I, I, I feel like I'm usually the last person to really criticize officiating, but this was some pretty egregious stuff. Um, Mike, like officiating aside, we were front row. What did you see in terms of the actual playing in terms of Vermont Greens attacking? Um, it seemed like they were pinging the ball around pretty well, but just couldn't finish. Yeah. Uh, I, finish the attacks. I think it's the same thing that we've seen in each one of the losses. Like we have a lot of the ball. Um, we, we pass well um, there. I think because of the physicality of the game, um, lots of times these counterattacks uh, happen a little closer to midfield. Um, but, you know, as soon as Vermont started to attack again, they would recoil back into the box and play this over the top stuff, you know, and, and it's not the sexiest type of, of football. I mean, trust me, I've, I'm a Tottenham Hotspur fan. I've dealt with it through Mourinho and Conte. Um, yeah. So I, I, I know what it looks like when you're a counterattacking team and how boring it can be to watch. Uh, for the other fans, sure, a one nil, a one nil win, a two one win, it's fine. But the 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 problem that we've had all season, and it seems to be to me, and in I'm going to preface this with the fact that I'm not a professional tactics, um, a tactics uh, breakdown analyst. Um, now you tell us. <laughs> yeah, right? Tactics. I'm not a tactics guy. Um, and I, 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 you know, who the hell am I to, 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 you know, talk shit about a coach or about a player, especially college kiddies out there. Um, 
playing some summer ball, trying to get trying to get looked at. But um, it seems to be the same thing that we keep seeing with this team is that when our attack, our full on attack, isn't working we're doing this thing where we're trying to bring the ball down the wings and and Tyson and I talked about it and just pinging the ball into the middle, hoping for something to happen. Um, That to me, and like I said, I've watched it through Tottenham Hotspur is not the way that you're going to break down a team that parks the bus and tries to play over the top. Tottenham Tottenham for years hasn't been able to break down teams that park the bus. We've, we've lost to Burnley. I mean, it got, you know, it's what got Pochettino fired there. You know, like if teams that can't break down those those defensive or counterattacking teams are the teams that generally lose. Yeah, you you you're not successful, and it's the same thing that we've been doing over and over again as as a club. And and I'm not here to dig out Coach Pfeiffer because it's he's probably forgotten more more fucking football tactics than I've ever known. Um, but it is. But like I, a, I also think he got. I think he got the not just the tactics of the game, but the game plan. I think he got it incorrect. I think at, when we're sitting there and getting lucky with balls going off the crossbar, balls going wide, we're lucky that Western Mass couldn't finish because it could have very, very easily been four nil. Um, I, I think yeah. that I think that when we're getting to the seventy fifth minute and we're sitting there going, okay we need to make the playoffs. Here's what we need. We need four points to make the playoffs. We should sit back right now against a team that's dangerous on the counterattack and play for the draw. We take a point out of here. We move on to Pathfinder and, and, and beat them. Right. Instead, we kept on trying to attack and we put on more and more attackers. And instead we're putting on attackers and putting on, instead of putting on defensive players. And I think that's where he got the tactics wrong. And, uh, you know, maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Coach Pfeiffer is going to listen to this and be like, this guy's a prick. I am a prick. But that's that's just kind of the way I saw it. And, and, and you know, I don't, I don't necessarily have to blow sunshine up everybody's butt all the time. But because I love this club, this is – and I'm passionate about this club. This is the way this, that fans feel about their, about their home, hometown and local clubs. It has been just like a consistent issue and struggle, I think, is breaking down straight-up defensive teams. Against other teams, if we do fine, we scored three to four, sometimes more goals. But, like, unlocking a purely defensive counterattack team is just still seems to be, like, a hit-or-miss proposition for us. And, um, you know, it's... Uh, I, I, it's it's tricky because you push too hard and you expose yourself and and you you make yourself open to the counter but at the same time um that's just our style and it kind of seems to be what we stick with and um but you know what i think about liverpool and you i feel like you need that sort of like midfield unlocking player just has those sort of like through passes or those little moments of like brilliance where it's just like oh there you go like that cut through past two defenders like was like a like a you know not just like a pass to the outside it was actually like cut back you know cut back through cut the couple lines there it's easier said than done obviously but it's just you have yeah it's just an issue and i was talking to um i was talking to 
to Daniel Nato this morning uh, at soccer camp drop off. <laughs> uh, and I said, yeah, it seemed like they had like 11 guys, um, 11 guys behind the ball. And Nato was like, then 11 guys in the box. And I was like, fair enough. This was a full on defensive effort. Tyson, how do you, how does the team get through that? I mean, either this year or next year, like what's the, what are the strategic changes that you make to, to, to overcome those situations where a team just like, sure, we'll sit back and you can just throw everything you got at us. I mean, that is, I mean, that's the, the golden answer. You, you know, you have that answer. You've got, uh, you know, your, your Mourinho, um, your, um, your, excuse me, no, not Mourinho, your Pep. That's who you are. Not Mourinho. Mourinho wouldn't know an incisive pass if it, you know, rolled right past his face. You had to drive the bus, not park it. Exactly. Precisely. I mean, I think... He got rid of Christian Eriksen. (laughs) I know. I know. (laughs) Right. And I I think that, you know, the, the Green are really lucky in the fact that we have some of the best dribbling and pure attacking talent on the ball with the ball at their feet in probably our entire division. You've got um, uh, D'Agostini, you've got Zenge, you've got Bilal Kamal, um, you've got Nacho, all of these players great with the ball at their feet, running at man on man. You know, I would bet on our guys 10 out of 10 times to go and dribble past their man. But that doesn't work when immediately after that one defender, you have two other guys who are right there in the box waiting to go and sweep things up. And I do truly, you know, agree with both yourself, Mike and Tyler, that like the extent that we attack the ball in the midfield when, you know, the, the um, opposing team just goes and hoofs it out of their back line we gobble up the, those balls so quickly, and there is such usually really good distribution from either Nate Jones or Musa and Dai that they just get that ball right back up there so quick that the defending team who's sitting back there in, we keep saying it, in a low block with two banks of four, they haven't even had time to move out of the opposing penalty area sometimes and it's you're just right back where you were and you don't have the opportunity to stretch that team out open up space for passes to be able to go through and we we have some great passers of the ball on our team Bilal Kamal is a great passer of the ball um Giorgio Probo great passer of the ball Nathan Messer a great passer of the ball, but, you know, it's so hard to be able to go and find that gap to, you know, reach an incisive run through the middle of all these players who are just sitting there clogging the box. And I know that a, obviously a huge tenant of the way that the green play is attack every ball get to every second ball, make sure you're the first person there, recycle that ball upfield. But I, you know, 
against other teams that want to play ball with us, we do really well because we've got a really good team. But against teams who are, you know, Space Ghost, Western Mass, they just sit there. They're purely playing for points. They're do park the bus. They're not. Te- they're not teaching these college kids anything. You know, the, I thought the whole point of this this league was, you know, development of these collegiate players. Give them time to, you know, stay sharp during the summer before they go back to their college team. You know, what are some of these kids learning? sitting in their penalty box what is what is what is a player like max murray learning sitting back there playing playing a center back position that he does not play when he's in college truly he's just there playing that center back position because he's tall for them and they only care about the end result and the the sea snails are are big offenders of it they're big offenders of that and and western mass is a big offender of it they're they're a a less offensive club but their their tactical their tactical setup is is great and it's great to play against a team like ours who another thing that that we get caught up on is our Defenders, our center backs are often, and 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 even our 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 wings, our wing backs, are often pushed way, way, way up the field. So if there's a ball over the top and you get a cherry picking striker or or a winger that's way faster than your center back can get back, you're in trouble. Which happened to us a lot in that Western Mass game. Well, and I was going to say that is exactly what happened in the game against Pathfinder. Yeah. I know that we weren't on that yet, but. You know, it was uh, it's, it was a wet day at Pathfinder, and poor Musa and Dai had played truly probably the worst pass that he has played all season. It was super slow, going over towards Thread Gold. Number seven on Pathfinder jumped on that ball, gobbled it up, was able to make a really good pass out to their striker. Um, our goalie was, you know, he had he had done his job. He had cycled the ball out. He was coming up to be towards the edge of the green box because that's where he should be because he's probably so used to us getting the ball up the field so fast that he was just not prepared to to deal with that. Yeah. So right. I, I, in, in short, I do not have a good tactical answer for you because the green are very much you know play uh let's use this metaphor we're out on the field asking for you know a a wonderful you know open and active dance between another team to go and and play with us and if that happens we will kick the crap out of them and that's great however you know uh, against the teams that want to make it uh, a mosh pit in front of uh, their goal, that does not mesh very well. Yeah. Yeah. I think the Pathfinder game, if we're moving well, We can get on a Pathfinder too, yeah. Yeah, it was, was a, it's felt disjointed because for a variety of reasons, I think, um, you know, I think that there was like a road issue on the way there. So the team got there late. Game started late. There's two, at least one or two, 
like weather delays because we are living through you know end times here um and uh it just felt like a very sort of stuttering game and you know that again that the the goal that we gave up well first of all let's start with the goal that we scored which is like a wonderful cross from nathan messer great looks really good as an attacking midfielder by the way what's that I said Messer, Messer looks really good as an attacking midfielder, by the way. He could like, trend Alexander-Arnold his way into the midfield, I think. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, um, But it was a wonderful goal, just great movement, ball whipped across. Uh, we saw Messer doing that sort of like uh, just nonstop in the in the friendly game against Jupiter, which was fun to watch. But his, his placement is just fantastic. Um, great first goal, and then, you know, just lack of focus mistake maybe it was the disruptions leading up to it who knows uh but just you know uh another sort of one of those moments you're like better pass the game's in a totally different situation we had you know just the vast majority of possession um in the second half when we were chasing the win tons of great chances um i think we were a little careless with our crossing in the second half there's a lot of balls that were five, 10 yards overshot. Um, but you know, you're playing for the win and you're really pushing things and, you know, these things happen. So, um, but it seemed like compared to the Western mass game, the pace of movement with the ball was, was much better. Like that was getting pinged around. Uh, I saw way more, uh, four passes from Daniel Pacella in midfield, just like this, like really good cutting, uh, passes that like just jump a line or two. Um, it's, it was a it was a tough draw, but credit to Pathfinder for holding on. Like they played a solid defensive uh, second half, and um, but yeah, I mean these are games or moments, and you take away that one bad pass from that game, and maybe a couple of individual mistakes from earlier games, and it's a totally different point situation. So we um, we should probably have mentioned too that like two of our biggest performers offensively were were out for that game because of Knox picked up at, in Western Mass, right? So there was no Zachary Zange. There was there was no Yannick Bazzini. Um and it's and it's not for lack of, you know, um second choice or uh, you know third or other options. Uh we had other attacking options. They're just different players, right? I th- I think Zach Zach really gives you that 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 guy who can who can run at people and open and open up uh open up passing lanes he can he's a guy who's very good at at um shooting the deep ball he's a guy who's good at uh delivering from from corner kicks uh from you know deep crosses he's good at driving the ball into the corners and crossing it in um he's his passing is pinpoint um and then you have, you know, Bazzini, who I think, you know, I ended up at Vivid Coffee for the second half and uh, who walks in at the beginning of the of the second half, Bazzini. Well, I didn't know he wasn't in the club because I didn't uh, in the team because I didn't see the first half. I was with my son at, at a tryout. But <laughs> I said, if you're sitting here, who's in the middle? <laughs> and he's like, nah, Joe. But it, it, which is fine, but Nacho's a different player than Bazzini, and I think I think that even had Bazzini been there and put in in the second half, he might have gotten his head on a, maybe a, 
one or two of those crosses that kind of, kind of sailed over. But more I mean, variety, more options. Yeah, there there would have been it wouldn't it, it would have been a different look. I I'm not saying it would have been a win because they're better players. I'm I'm just saying it would have been a di- different look that you're throwing at a team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I I I was real quick. I, I I I did make some notes as I was watching the stream, and one thing that again has kind of jumped out to me in in watching a lot of these games and i don't know if it's just that i notice it more when we're you know not at the game and singing along and chanting along but we take so many like second and third touches either right at the outside like if we're going and attacking that that goal we take so many extra touches either right outside the box or inside the box where it should be receive the ball, turn, shoot. And we're, again, I'm not a top level athlete. I'm an almost 40 year old man who's got so many broken bones that I can barely ride a skateboard anymore. That that's not, you know, I I will cop to that, but like, I, I feel like there's a lot of, extra time that's being taken that doesn't need to be. Yeah. I think that we do one full job of getting the ball into really dangerous areas. And then uh, to your point, take one, one to two, too many touches or go for one more pass. It puts us like a couple yards closer when we have some guys who are absolutely capable of putting some rockets on frame and, and just, you know, just, on especially on like wet days give challenge the keeper like who knows what happens um narrow path forward to the playoffs uh the door is not shut but uh just slightly closed um i'm gonna be optimistic about this and say i mean as a lifelong boston bolts fan i have faith <laughs> ride the lightning baby um yes uh you guys what are your thoughts on on us making the playoffs and then are the playoffs important for a USL two team? I mean, I was, I remember being surprised the first year that there were playoffs. I was like, Oh, that's a thing. Uh, whereas, you know, for without playoffs, I think you look at a season, your second season finishing, you know, at worst, a very strong third with multiple sellouts, away days, widespread recognition, uh, just a good overall experience. And you, you take that. Right. And I think, having playoffs kind of maybe skews our sense of what is important and what is, uh, what you expect. Um, I mean, so let's open the floor. What do you guys think? The, the, okay. I, I know Tyson has some stuff to, to say about, um, about our competition coming up, uh, and about, and about USL two in general. Um, but I think that playoffs, um, I think that last year playoffs, when we found out there were playoffs and how we could get in, that was like, oh shit, cool. All right. All right. Now it's on. Um and then winning the playoff game. I I, I think maybe it was just kind of like we lucked into it, or we lucked into some some decent players or decent play, or you know, I mean, it, it could have been a number of things. I don't think that it's about luck anymore. I think it's about building this team whether we make the playoffs or not 
like building the club, building the community, um, building the club around the community. That's that's what this is all about for me. Um, that's not to say I haven't been sitting here for friggin' 30 minutes being a fucking armchair quarterback or armchair striker, as it were. Um, uh, my my old lady chair. <laughs> um, it's but, a nice chair. Yeah, it is a nice, it's comfortable as hell. Um, but, you know, I, I think that, like you said, narrow path forward. Um, we need, you know, the, the chicken of the sea to to lose to 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 lose to uh boston bolts and uh i think it can happen it, it's gonna take a lot for it to happen um you know we need to beat boston city though um who is it's good it's gonna be uh I, I think we're gonna get to play a lot of players we haven't seen this year um and knowing that that Bazzini definitely has a knock. I would rather him not risk his college career on that kind of a thing. Um, and, and play against a team like Boston city, um, not to knock them because I've looked on their website. They got a really cool website and they got some stuff. They got some stuff going on down there, but it's just, that it's not translating on the pitch. Um, and what we might think is the worst team in USL two may not be Tyson. No, they are statistically the second worst team in the entirety of the USL2. Oh, uh, pray, pray tell who might that be? Uh, the worst team is, in fact, uh, drumroll please, North Alabama, who that makes sense. also has uh, one point, much like Boston City, also has one point all season. Uh, however... Boston City has a goal differential of minus 39, mm-hmm. whereas North Alabama has a goal differential of minus 41. Ooh. The North Ooh. Alabama North Alabama FC is not as good as the North Mississippi All-Stars, probably. Probably not. They're um, a fantastic band. <laughs> if Anywho. we have been talking about, you know, early 2000s, uh, straight edge hardcore bands. I could go and uh, throw in some, you know, some good clean fun, some my revenge. But um, no, I I don't get that reference. I don't. I, 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 I didn't figure either one of you would. I got it. I got it. But anyway, um, but but anyway, <laughs> you know, when when it comes to the playoffs, um, you know, much like you guys were talking about, I didn't know that there were going to be playoffs in the first year, and. I, I think that it would be a very different conversation, at least in my mind, if we if the green got to host playoff games at home, if we could do that, that would be amazing. And it was a really cool experience to, you know, get the boys and the community together to go and watch some playoff games at Vivid Coffee. That was great. It's a great place to go to watch a game. Um, but at the end of the day, again, it's the green second season in existence. I think that trying to expect us to be in a play at like expecting the play to be in the playoffs in your second year of existence as, you know, a big sports team in our city 
in like the greater Burlington area in Vermont, it's probably one of the bigger teams that, you know, we're basically competing with, you know, all of the UVM teams and the Lake Monsters. I think that the green are a great draw. We are continuing to build community. We have so many, we've had a ton of sellouts this year. Games have been really well attended, even through some terrible weather this summer. Um, miserable weather this summer the worst summer in terms of weather i can remember since i moved here right that i think that even if we don't make it into the playoffs i think that we can there's no other way to look at the season other than a really big success and i think that that's something that the the club should be proud of the players should be proud of and especially the fans you know, let's let's pat the Green Mountain boys on the back um, and everyone else who came out to these games. Everyone's been spreading the love, spreading the word, talking about what a great experience it is to be a fan of this team and to, you know, just kind of revel in this community that everyone's created. I think that that's I think that that's great. And I think that that's something that, you know, hopefully we can only increase and grow even more going forward to continue the the band theme i mean i think about my time in a in a band and people sort of being like what's the end goal and it's like the end goal is to do this and by this i mean writing songs in some dingy practice space playing shows for somewhere between at least four or five people and when you get you know slightly more successful maybe a couple hundred people but you do it not for some like lofty end goal that you probably aren't going to make, like you getting signed, having a hit record, any sort of like major success. You do it because you love doing the thing. And for, for me, my perspective as a fan, uh, as, as somebody who has, um, you know, met so many good people and made so many great connections just by being around this club um that's it's been an unmitigated success from year one to year two and what Vermont Green is trying to do in terms of their mission I think has been successful what we've seen in terms of the community the larger community around us has been wildly successful I've seen all sorts of connections made and new organizations plugging into the club and people just um finding ways to help each other and 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 carry out these really worthwhile efforts and then just you know from a from a slightly more uh you know capitalist callous view of things like a really good marketing pr year for the club they've got a ton of great coverage um their reach is expansive i got a message from a really nice fellow from somewhere in northern europe who's like hello i've become a vermont green fan is there promotion and relegation how does this work and like just you know what the club's been able to do locally uh globally and just in terms of so many different metrics and, and views it's been a great success i think playoffs are like a nice bonus if it happens but you know what that's 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 secondary to what we see at, at every home game and the responses that we get from our you know from our internet friends it's just it's it's been a good year you know that actually the your european friend uh who messaged us uh, actually kind of segues me into uh, kind of a question. And before I give my final thoughts, but get segues me into a question that was uh, 
from a, a friend of the pod, Kevin, uh, who just who just wrote into us. He's watching our live stream, um, and he wanted to know how the promotion and relegation vote um, would affect a team in a USL two. Um, and as I understand it, and as I think it actually is, we are a pre-professional developmental league. Um, we are not part of that promotion and relegation. Yeah. Um, uh, situation so that would not um that would not affect vermont green um right now that's my understanding as well i mean we're, right these are college kids coming in playing and then heading back so there's you know. yeah like ha- in half of them some of them are playing half the season um yeah. these are these are kids who are out here um volunteering their, their time to to putting a um putting a product on the field for fans. They're trying to better themselves. They're playing against heavier, harder competition. Uh, think of it as if, if anybody knows baseball, like the Cape Cod league, um, or even our own very, very own Lake monsters, the league that they're in, uh, you know, like a wood bat, you know, pre-professional developmental league. It's, it's good for these kids to get out there and play against tougher competition and play against other players that they might not play against in their regular college seasons or their regular club seasons, if they're coming from overseas. Um, but that's kind of, that's kind of where we are. Um, my final thoughts are kind of not necessarily along the lines of just for my green. Um, I did get to watch um, an interview. Uh, and this is going to touch on a little mental health um, situation with, especially with footballers. Uh, I, I got to watch um, what one of my favorite players give um, a, a, an interview that was um, kind of saddening uh, because I've on my other podcasts, um, I've dug him out quite a bit. Um, and that was Deli Alley, um, a kid who was brought up by uh, a, a guy, a coach who I very, very dearly love was my first manager of Tottenham, Tottenham Hotspur when I started watching. Um, I'm not going to go into the depth of the interview, but he's had a number of challenges throughout his life. He didn't get into soccer until he was late later on. Typically these kids get in at five, six, seven years old. They get signed by clubs over there at eight, nine, 10, 11 years old. He didn't actually start playing soccer until he was 12 because of his situation with his family and how he was brought up. Um, and he developed mental health issues before he even became a professional player. Um, coming through MK Dons and then going to, you know, going to Tottenham and, and growing through that system and kind of just appearing on the scene, becoming an absolute superstar. Um, and if you are successful as a player at Tottenham and you're scoring lots of goals and you're exciting to watch, like Deli Ali was, you're hated and you're loved. Um, and, and, and mental health, we have to understand that mental health doesn't just affect the regular everyday person. It affects footballers. It affects pro athletes. It affects anyone and everyone in your life. Um, and we have to understand it, no matter how much we've dug out any of the players today, any of the coaches, that these are also human beings and that, mental health affects us all, whether it's something like anxiety um, to addiction 
to um, being abused or abusive behavior. We are all affected in some way by that. And I think it's important to recognize that. And uh, for that, and for my part in any of the digging out of Deli Alley, for the things that I did not know about him, I mean, you know, I kind of have to apologize, not that he cares, but like, we have to, like, I didn't understand. So we have to understand that we don't know what's going on in these people's lives when we're talking about them. Right. So that's a, that's a, it's a big thing for me is mental health. His his interview was, was, I think very brave. And, and, you know, I think it's uh, a big piece and part of a larger trend that I think has been supremely positive in pro sports, which is people talking about mental health, uh, not hiding away these issues, being feeling more comfortable in addressing it and taking time off to deal with these issues. Um, and it not being just sort of this taboo thing that you just sweep under the rug. And I think you go back 20, 30 years and there's just zero awareness or acceptance of people being like, I'm dealing with really difficult non-sports related issues that yeah. need to be addressed. And that would not have been accepted uh, in, in the least or even understood. So um, yeah, man, huge props to him for, for doing that interview and, um, and yeah, you, you know, big takeaway. You never know what other folks are dealing with. Assume the best, give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, you, yeah. Amen. I can't, I, I, I can't wait for someday to see that number 20 come back onto the field for some club and, and, have that little smirk because he knows he he got one over on you. Well, and I mean, I, I feel like that's, you know, been one of the, the key tenants of, you know, our entire supporters group is that we will, we will not be mean. We are not going to curse out the other players. We're not going to curse out um, an opposing fan base. We are going to be positive. We are going to be upbeat. No hate. Just love. We love the green up the green. Yes. Uh, I, I echo those sentiments. Um, and, and as we uh, take off today, um, I want to say um, be safe, everyone out there. It's a, uh, it's a rough world um, and we have to find our way and navigate through it. So uh, again, be safe, everyone and up the green. Yeah!